If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hour number two, Jeff Cameron Showed. Live Nations Friday edition, 93.3 Real Talk Radio. Great to be with you. Lucy Gissy. Our thanks to Lee Sterling last hour, Paramount Sports. Here we go. We're off to a flying start in that realm, too. Let's see if we can, uh, I don't know, I don't want to anger the uh, gambling gods, but uh, Kentucky ULM over 54, Louisiana Lafayette and Texas under 58, Texas A&M beat the brakes off of Kent State, South Alabama minus one against Southern Miss, and UNC against Vautech tonight, giving the five and a half. All right. That's what I need for the mm-hmm. sweepy sweepy. It's the fraudulent goats versus the dumpster fire in the ACC, kicking off shortly after 6 p.m. I don't think North Carolina's fraudulent. Um, I think they're a good football team, but I – you know, I don't think they're a national championship caliber team. Not saying that, but I think they're a good football. They team. are coached by Mac Brown, your favorite. He's going to find a way to lose two or three games. He has no business losing because that's who the hell Mac Brown his is. His whole career, his whole career, buddy. And I pointed that out on the regular. He coached somewhere for sixteen seasons and win two conference titles. That that would piss off a lot of fans. And it wasn't Texas Tech. No, no. I mean, yeah, he had resources. You know, by the way. I, I know that on a football weekend, especially the opening football weekend, uh, you probably shouldn't deviate too much into baseball, but I have encouraging news, and I wanted to share this with you. I went and looked and then read a story uh, Jason Stark wrote, and then I also saw a clip, uh, and Stark was being interviewed as well. Do you know that it actually happened? For the first time in 16 seasons, uh, the strike rate is going down. Strikeout rate is going down. Is that right? It's risen every year for 16 seasons. long national nightmare is over. Well, since they started doing the testing, the substance testing, everything is up in the categories that we want them to. Yeah. Balls being put in play, strikeouts down, scores up, base runners, all of it. 
it's the game is returning to greatness. Oh, I think every <laughs> well, we'll see. No, it is. The three true outcomes are still. A no, no, bit, no, but no. it's starting to return to greatness. If and you've watched a lot of compelling baseball yeah. lately, and oh by the way, the wild card race is incredible. Every fan of a team that still watches their team closely this time of year, even though there's college football. They know it. When this testing began, at least one or two people in their bullpen are like, uh-huh, that guy was a fraud. A fraud the whole time. Because they see like a 260 turn into a 410 ERA. They're like, oh, I know what's going on here. He was using the bullfrog. If the season ended today, the Yankees and the Red Sox um, would be your AL wild card game matchup. And this is kind of cool in this way. Uh, ESPN needs some time alone. It would be... <laughs> That's true. It would be only the fifth time in over a century that those two teams came down to a one-winner-take-all game against one another. 2004 ALCS Game 7. That was incredible. Mm -hmm. uh, and the New York Times the next day read, or the New York Daily News, the chokes on us was a great headline, one of the all-time great headlines. 2003 ALCS Game 7. I was there. Aaron Boone. Third row. You were there. 1978, Game 163, Bucky Bleeping Dent. You were there, 21st no, I birthday. Not, I was not there, USOP. <laughs> Your first beer. <laughs> <laughs> and in 1949, Game 155. That's the fame Vic Rashi over Ellis Kinder game. Vic Rashi? Yeah. God, where was he for probables? <laughs> Vic Rashi. Uh, but you would get Garrett Cole versus Chris Sale in a winner-take-all. Okay, I'm in. I, I mean, I want to see that. Yeah, I mean, if it was, you know, yeah, three oh five on a Friday after the show's over, sure. Final thing I do want to tell you about, and and it's a, it's commendable because the Rays are weird and they do it like nobody else. And Kevin Cash, Florida State's own Kevin Cash, is the manager of said team, um, and it's just crazy. They traded away Willie Adams. You knew that, right? Yeah. They finished a run of nine consecutive saves by nine different relievers just now. You knew that, right? They're on pace to win 100 games, and they'll have not a single pitcher win 10. That's nuts. I saw the stat of Wander when they called him up that their record's like 37 and 11, or it's some absurd number from the moment he was called up. Not that he's the reason. In baseball, there's more to it than that, of course. But that was somebody that we were being uh, told last year. Yes. When they were making the stretch run, and then they had the, the World Series. Have you looked at him, by the way? Have you physically laid eyes on yeah. him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you could see why. You oh, know, yeah, scouts might like the player. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah, he's yeah. a bit of a a bit of a freak. But again, they're going to win a hundred games, and they're not going to have a single pitcher win ten. How do you have nine consecutive saves with nine different relievers? Like they're just—that's insane. I'm convinced that the Rays management group could somehow find a way to get an H two Hummer from 2005 to drive from the East Coast to the West Coast on one tank of gas, because that's <laughs> what they do with the franchise every year. Final thing, just because you're a Mets fan. Oh, great. Uh, <laughs> it is crazy. Which storyline? There's like five right now. Well, this one reads, the Mets are going to met in a very different way. Who knows why? doesn't seem to matter who owns them, who manages them, who plays for them. doesn't seem to matter which guys they trade for, which guys they sign, which guys get healthy, yes, which yes, guys yes. stop by from Norfolk. The Mets can't help but met. But in August, they might have outmetted themselves, which seems hard. Let's recap. Record in August, 9-19. and Fifth worst in baseball. Not what we need. Where they started August, first place by four and a half games. Where they ended August, third place, five and a half out. Well, it was the worst August record in the division play era by any team that started the month 
with a lead of four games or more entering the month. Okay. So you've just broke a record. Yeah, well, I could tell you that I remembered in 21 games, the span of 21 baseball games, that we lost 11 games in the standings. You know how hard that is? That's like impossible. <laughs> 11 games in the standings over the span of 21 games. So, yeah, I know. You still locked in? No. No, no. no. We got college football. It's time. It is time. I, I just, there were moments. Hey, take the time to do this. I'm not trying to, I'm not chiding anybody, and I'm not trying to preach. You sure? I'm very sure. Okay, with the Mets thing? I don't know. Oh, no, no, no. I just thought you would find some of those numbers interesting. By the way, way to go, ladies. Way to dominate. 5-2 over Florida on the pitch. Yep, that's right. Domination. Uh, it's the worst beatdown in series history, as I understand it. Is that, that was, correct? Uh, our former friend uh, at the old station, Ryan Kelly, reported that last night. Yeah. Ass kicking it Even with the uh, garbage time goal for the Gates. Uh, so what I what I was going to tell you was that there's a lot of things that you have to stop and appreciate. That was one of them. I just wanted to note that because that's just as consistent as anything there is on this planet is Florida State soccer being dominant. But they whooped ass when I was in school. Yeah, that's it's not un- yesterday. It is unbelievable uh, how consistently awesome they are. But what I wanted to say was that uh, while you're at this game on Sunday night. And I have a sense that uh, as we get later into the evening, the weather for this time of year in Tallahassee is not going to be that bad. It's going to be kind of nice, kind of dry with a slight breeze. Won't be awful. You won't be sitting there thinking to yourself, God, it is very hot. You're going to be thinking, this is all right. But also, we talk about that atmosphere and how electric it's going to be. And and people have referred to, and I understand why, uh, to some extent, the... Oklahoma game from 2011. Well, if it's anything like that, take the time to look around. Like, have a moment in the game where it's the energy, it is palpable, you could, you almost have to wipe it away from your face, it's right there, and just take the time. We've all gone through a lot this last year. Just take the time to appreciate the hell out of that. That's the dumbest thing I've ever felt like in, in that stadium. And I'm not talking about the 60 minutes because there was the sequence in which an Oklahoma took a false start and a delay a game on mm-hmm. the punt and, mm-hmm. and like Stoops is running over from the sidelines, jumping up and down. I'm talking about we did the pregame show uh, from Langford, and then we got, we got our stuff set down in the press box and we walked up to the roof. And walking out of that staircase area and feeling the energy and walking to the edge where the stadium lights are and looking over the threshold and seeing all of the kids that were there the student section was completely full an hour and a half before yes, it the game. Was. It was, I mean, eerie. Like right now, I have I have goosebumps right now just thinking about that feeling and that electricity. This is going to be unique, though, because it's bittersweet. You also are honoring Coach Bowden and, and his legacy. But then you also have the, the issue. when Just before we left the old place, I took a break. I went over to... Uh, Destin and I went to a music event it was the first of its kind for most everybody and it was one of those rare events in which the artist and the fans were both appreciating the moment and living in the moment there are times when the audience is feeling it and the band is just collecting a check and you can tell and then there are other times where the audience isn't really there to see the band and they're not paying attention and the band is pissed off about it in this instance both parties were so full of joy to be there so that's going to be something on Sunday that's going to be part of the atmosphere but then you also have the honoring of a legend, and that's going to be pretty sad. I don't think so. I tend to celebrate those moments because, especially if it's a life well lived, and a you know, I think that the point of emphasis has to be that somebody lived ninety one years. They got to marry their childhood sweetheart and and have a a life in which they produce uh, was it six kids? I mean, they 
I don't know that you could ask for anything more in your work or private life than Coach Bowden got in 91 years on earth. If any of us get something similar to that, it, where you succeed at both to that level and, and to die surrounded by people who love you, yeah, man, that's all right. That's something to celebrate. I get what you're saying, but I, I think that I tend to look at things that way the best I can, and I, I, I'll smile ear to ear because that's something where you say, man, it's possible. Like you can you can strive for something like that. It's a uh, it's also easier. You do less crying. You do you do less crying. I'm talking about in your own personal it's life. Not too. It's not a gone like, too soon. Yeah, it's not yeah, a gone too yeah. soon. It's like, listen, I, I got a dog that's 13 and a half years old. I don't know when he's going to leave us. Uh, hopefully not soon, but by definition, probably pretty soon. And I and Christy said something. My wife said something to me the other day. He, he likes to get in our way in the kitchen because he's looking for food. He's hoping that we drop food if we're making sandwiches or something like that. And she's like, oh, he's always in our way. And I said, you'll miss him when he's not. And she's, oh, come on. And she said, and she said, yeah. That is wrong. Well, and she said, yeah. And then I said, but here's the thing. He's not young. He's old. And he's been loved for every year he's been here. And you can't get better than that. So, you'll, you know, you're not going to like, oh, my dog's dead. Hey, hey. I'm not saying that. You'll just say, hey, listen, you know, he, he, he had a good home and he was loved. And that's all you can have for. Matthew, ask I for guess it. this Libations Friday is going to be for drowning <laughs> sorrows. That's that's what's going on. Going to Horizons to drown my sorrows. Uh, no. I've got old pets too, man. What are we doing? What are we doing? Better appreciate him. Take some time I to appreciate do. him, damn it. Look around. That's what I'm saying. Look around on Sunday night. Appreciate things. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and Warchia TV. Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. The season opener for Florida State on a Sunday night will be the first of its kind in school history. Did you know that? Is that on a Sunday night, the first one? Okay. Yeah, we've not done that before. Yeah, we've done a ton of Mondays. We have. Um... Obviously, this is the fourth straight uh, opening game in Tallahassee uh, to start a season. That's the longest stretch of uh, opening home games since uh, 2008, 2012, so not that far back. Um, but we did the other times we've had four straight at home to start the seasons 47 through 51, 54 through 62, and 81 through 84. Yeah, I guess that's right, because in 13, we were on the road at Pitt. You were there. Watched a near perfect performance uh, with Jameis Winston at the helm, and my dad and I walked through a deluge uh, as we walked to the stadium. Uh, it was, it could not have rained harder than it did that night in Pittsburgh just before that game. And then, just like that, the spigot turned off, and we walked inside, drenched as we were, sat down, and I'll never forget. Midway through the second quarter, these two gentlemen who had been season ticket holders for Pitt for a very long time, right there on the 50, and Jameis threw a laser, one of the many that he threw that night, and the guy turned to his, I think it was his dad, I think it was a son and father combo, and I think it was like an 80-year-old and a 60-year-old, and the 60-year-old's like, who the F is this kid they have playing quarterback? He was furious. And the dad was like just shaking his head. And then the kid said something along the line. The kid, even though he's a grown man, said something along the lines of, "We don't get those kinds of guys." And they both. And then the dad didn't say anything, and, they, and he just kind of nodded his head, and they went back to watch. No, him. the dad didn't say not since Marino. <laughs> he didn't know nothing. I mean, that was hilarious because it was probably the third throw in a series of throws that wowed you. 
And they were, <laughs> you could just see the frustration. It was like that guy with the punter that night in UF. Oh. Yeah, and he's just like the laser happens on the sideline, and he's like, who the F is this kid? Damn it! Yeah. <laughs> it's the best open-air press box moment ever. Oh, my God. Because so they kind of have you hovering over the first level mm. in that in that media area. And, yeah, because, all right, we got him pinned back. I see him. He turns around slapping high fives with his friends. Mm -hmm. They can't get out of this one because yeah. we're on, like, our 12. <laughs> Football hangs in the air for six seconds, and it goes 58 yards on the fly, out of bounds, and no return. Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> this is ridiculous! Again? Oh, I know. Coley writes, Mr. Cameron, is there a, uh, a possibility that the pressure on FSU is a detriment? Opening game, Bowden tribute, full stadium, and the only game on that day in prime time. I don't... I, maybe. I mean, listen, it, it, there is heightened um, nerves, perhaps, for primetime games, but once the ball's kicked off, Players don't think like that. You know, I heard something yesterday. It's just you can tell we've we've had an off season of talking, and people just need to see games because I heard analysis yesterday, quote unquote, uh, regarding the Clemson game against Georgia, and the question to the person being interviewed covering the game was uh, any thought about you know the comfort level of the teams playing in Charlotte because Clemson plays there all the time. And the guy said, well, that could be a big advantage for Clemson. You know, they win the ACC championship on this field every year. And I was like, what the – you're just saying words. Right, what yeah. What the hell yeah, are you yeah. talking about? So Nobody cares. <laughs> it's you got to play the game. Georgia doesn't walk out on the field in Charlotte and go, this feels foreign. I don't know. I don't think we can play here. And Clemson's like, oh, it's like, it's like a barbecue in our backyard, guys. This is going to be easy peasy. No, that's not how that works. You would have laughed at this this morning. So Dan Orlovsky is appearing on a national show, and I was listening to it because it's a college football show. And they're asking him questions, and, and the host does the right thing. He sets him up. He goes, you know, Dan, I really want to get your answer on this one before we get to your game, the one you're calling for ESPN this weekend, because nobody breaks the film down like you do, Dan. So I want to know, who are the top three quarterbacks in college football right now that you can't wait to see? And you know Orlovsky butchered the answer? He said, well... Spencer Rattler, I guess, would be one of the guys. I, I haven't seen any of his games, but I hear, you know, that he's – I'm like, whoa, dude, way to botch. This guy put it on a tee for you. You could just say anybody else. Because I haven't watched a lot of his games, but everybody tells me he's pretty good. Like, what? That is a that, weird That's thing not the answer say. when the host is like, you break down the film like anybody. Uh, well, I've never seen him, but uh, I'm sure he's pretty good. Also, that's not who you'd pick. The, correct. That is that's not right, on two yeah. levels. Yeah, like, that's, oh, that's good God. Not who you'd pick, by the way. Hey, let's uh, take the time to let everybody know this. Tomorrow, we will be at Corner Pocket Bar and Grill. We'll get there around 2 o'clock, maybe even a little bit earlier. And there's a whole hell of a lot of celebrating we're all going to do. Not only the return of football, but it's the 10th annual Libations Fest. Saturday, September the 4th. That's tomorrow, 2 p.m., Corner Pocket Bar and Grill, 2475 Appalachian Parkway. Free T-shirts and koozies to the first 200 in attendance. we got a raffle drawing at halftime of the Miami-Alabama game in which we'll give away some nice prizes. Cues up, Tom Lang. Go, go for it. All right, so the koozies are going to be brought to you and presented by our friends at Metro Deli. Damn but Metro Deli has also given us a couple of $45 gift cards to go downtown. I actually had breakfast there this morning. And, and it was delicious. Their breakfast is low-key good. You think about a deli, you, you think lunch, but their breakfast is quite good downtown. 
Uh, then also our friend Bill Fredericks at Frequency XP is going to be giving away. Nice, a, Bill. That's right. Yeah, he's going to be giving away a package worth $65, $70 worth of uh, training, uh, fitness evaluations, and other stuff as well. Uh, then, of course, the grand prize. That other stuff is a real special surprise. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the grand prize <laughs> from our friends at Zaxby's. 50-yard line seats. Yeah. We're going to keep it moving. 50-yard line seats for Florida State and Notre Dame. It's part of a larger contest that's going to be going on this year. These same 50-yard line seats will be available for every single home game, but we're going to be giving away the first ones at Libations Fest tomorrow. And there's plenty more. I know you've got a bunch of stuff you're bringing as well from a lot of our friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, we will do uh, we will do the right thing by uh, many of the restaurateurs in town, and that includes Gordos and Bumpas and all that. There'll be food. It's going to be fun. It's going to be good. Just couldn't help yourself. Uh, it just it was perfect. It's the Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. Jeff Cameron, 93.3 Real Talk Radio, War Chant TV. I, uh, I will say, I, um, and I continue to try to figure out, you know, you try to tell the story of a game. We're always trying to tell the story of a game. Ah, that's a terminology from a friend of ours last year. Yeah, and it is true. You, you go back and you try. Well, the number that Vegas gives you, by the way, tells tells you what they think, you know, the score is going to look like. You can see who's favored and what the total is. So you, you add up the number and you try to get there. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like if that plays out that way, what's that, 56? What is it at now? I didn't look at it today, the total. Uh, I was in the upper 50s. Let me take a look. 56 and a half, 57. I could, uh, I, I could have that wrong. I haven't looked. I'm not wagering our game, so. I, I put it out there on the Redemption Thursday picks just because people always want to know which side I'm on for that particular Florida State game. But I didn't, in my real life, it's not on the card. I couldn't do it. Couldn't trust myself to be as objective as I needed to be. If I did have to play it, I'd give the seven and a half. Yeah. 55 and a half. Okay. So, yeah. Uh, and, and Notre Dame's favored by seven and a half. So, you can just, uh, from there, kind of figure it out. And I... If it plays out that way, you'd say to yourself, well, this is a whale of a game. I mean, if we get that? Yeah, that's something that I think most fans would take as a positive sign. And it all parlays into, no matter what happens in this game, it all parlays into a big game against Wake Forest in Week 3. In essence, that's what, 31-24, somewhere in there? You know, 31-27, something like that? Yeah, yeah spot like, on. There's yeah. there's one service that I looked at where I like to go for these things, uh -huh. and it was 55 flat and 7. So, there, yes, 34 31-24, yeah. That's a hell of a game. If we got 31-24, that's a hell of a game. I, in a weird way, it's so much easier right here on a Friday, Libations Friday at that, to celebrate and get excited about uh, you know the progress that's implied in that score. But you know walking out of that stadium, if we're that close, you're going to be like, oh, that close. Might as well just go head on and win the damn thing. I actually believe it's either going to be something like that, very close with an opportunity to win, or we're going to get blown out. I see no scenario by which Florida State blows Notre Dame out. Yeah, that's probably true. I, you can't you can't bank on that because um, as much as it was fun to watch Florida State jump all over North Carolina last year, that team is coached by Mac Brown, and it's not the Brian Kelly system. Brian is he can be sloppy at times to open a season. That's where Notre Dame fans have a little bit of trepidation about this game, is they're not always sharp for week one, but they're not hapless out of nowhere. 
No. Haven't been in some time. No. Listen, I've ripped Jack Cohn since they picked him up from Wisconsin. I've rolled my eyes at the uh, the thought of him um, being the difference maker for, for Notre Dame from a national championship level. You know, I, But he's good enough to manage games. And he's certainly good enough to turn around and hand the ball off to Kyron Williams. Uh, so that that's th- th- therein lies uh, the, the whole situation. They're going to turn and hand the ball to Kyron Williams because he's really freaking good. Oh yeah, and they've got uh, uh, yes, to some degree, a lot of guys making uh, a start for the first time, or maybe have played precious few starts along the offensive line. Uh, but they've gotten time. I mean, they have uh, a couple of uh, juniors and seniors there, but there is a freshman, and it's a freshman left tackle. Uh, maybe. Maybe that accounts for something. Uh, obviously, if you're a freshman left tackle and you're starting, you you had to have you had to have been an elite player coming out of high school. There's to go to Notre Dame first of all along the offensive line and then to start with this group is something. Sure, but you know, is Jermaine Johnson good Correct. enough? Yeah. to make you pay if you are not physically mature and or up to speed, because we have had. Little to no players like that since Brian Burns or Demarcus Walker. And even Brian Burns was kind of a part-time guy in that role. Mm-hmm. Demarcus, you could hang your hat on Demarcus week in and week out here when, when he was at Florida State. We haven't had anybody who can make you pay if you're not up to speed. If Jermaine Johnson is one of those who maybe he's not the game-breaker, top-ten pick defensive end type, but he's at least at the college football level somebody who is going to penalize you for not being up to speed as a tackle on the right side or the left side, this defense transforms that, I mean, that one player can transform what we're all about because we had no chance to get to the quarterback last year. We thought preseason, even with all the talk and hype about the interior, that was going to be the key to getting to the quarterback was pressure up the middle. If that's your preseason outlook for a defensive line, you're in trouble. Thankfully, that's not the outlook for this year. We feel like we've got a couple solutions at end. Something to note, Kier Thomas has, uh, had a great camp. Jermaine has been rock solid and is a guy that I saw late in camp play with an edge. He was having none of it late in camp. There was a chippiness to him, and he doesn't do a lot of talking. It is straight up, I'm physically going to kind of manhandle you a little bit here and send messages that way. I have confidence in Jermaine Johnson being the type of player that what you see is what in practice is what you're going to get on the field. With Keir Thomas, I want to see if it translates. Is it a function of going against our offensive line in practice or going against lesser competition at South Carolina, right? Mm-hmm. Even though they're playing in the SEC. you know The numbers he racked up, I don't think it's against Alabama's offensive line. So is Keir Thomas somebody who could translate against the Notre Dame offensive line? I think Jermaine Johnson will be, no problem. If Keir is, though, again, you've transformed what it is you can do defensively. Now you can hide the deficiencies at linebacker. If you've got a problem at safety in a given week, you can hide those deficiencies because the quarterback's eyes are already somewhere else where they're, they're not supposed to be. You got him off of his spot. That's the whole key here. And Jack Cohn can get flustered. I got to tell you, the thought of Florida State getting a quarterback off their spot, whew, I get teary-eyed thinking about it. If I see it on Saturday night or Sunday night, there it is. Dad, did you see that? Did you see that? I don't care what happens now. I've seen it. Feels like 2015 again. We're able to do this. God forbid we, you know, take them out of a comfort zone, make them. Because the whole thing about you guys are probably tired of hearing us all talk about stopping the run, showing. that's There's two parts to that. First of all, last year that was humiliating uh, to watch them just run the same damn play over and over and over again and have no chance to stop it. You just felt helpless. And. 
There's nothing. I, I would much rather have somebody just throw the ball over the lot on my team because passing is a finesse endeavor, if you will. There's a timing to that and all of that. It's not the the toughness that is required to run the football and the and the bullying that's done when you run the football because you're lining up time and again, two tights, declaring to the defense, we're going to run the football and you can't do a thing about it. We're going to move your guys off the line of scrimmage and we don't think your linebackers are man enough to make a tackle on our running backs, so this will be fun. Given what Notre Dame's program is and, and what ours is, we understand that this week, if you're breaking it down objectively, there's not going to be a whole lot in the way of positivity for FSU. If you're just looking at matchup to matchup, segment group against segment group, right. because that's where these programs are. Now, we can rise to the moment and score an upset. They, the upsets happen in college football, but I, I, I did want to ask, speaking from an optimist's standpoint, okay. what is the thing that you think going into Saturday – be it a position group or a player, you feel most confident about is going to be pretty good. Is there a player our or... Our secondary. Okay, the I whole re- thing? The whole thing. I like our secondary an awful lot. We've fallen into that trap before. You believe it's real no, this no, time. No, no, no. Well, listen, no secondary, I don't care if they're all All-Americans, can cover anybody if you don't get any pressure on the quarterback or if they stay ahead of the chains all afternoon, or in this case, night... They dictate terms. You can't pin your ears. You got no chance. You don't know what's coming. You're off balance. You have to play it honest time and again. So yeah, if they if they're again unable to stop the run and they're throwing off a play action in the second half, and then you're going to see them get torched, and it won't be their fault. That'll be once again Florida State's inability to dictate terms at all. We have had more issues than just the lack of getting to the quarterback for the secondary, though. Basic things like not turning around and finding the ball. Busting coverages and in the middle of, of the defense. Correct. They, lining up five yards deep in the end zone. They've been really good in this camp. I think they're a team that has a chance to be – that's secondary to me. It, I, I get so excited thinking about them because they've played really well all camp long. And the other thing about it, they've got some edgier guys. They've got some chippy kind of guys. And that, for me, is another big thing because, listen – Travis Jay's out here throwing people to the ground, dominating, you know, just pancaking dudes at the line of scrimmage. You've got, again, Jaron Jones coming back is a big deal. He's That's very deal. Fi- physical. Yes. Miko Dotson being healthy, um, he plays with a with an air of confidence and toughness to him. Those safeties that we keep talking about that we really, really like. I mean, Shaheen Brown will hit you. Yeah. Kevin Knowles yeah. will hit you. they got some guys now. Yeah, at corner, I, I feel a lot better than I do at safety. I know we've got a lot of bodies at safety. I just don't know how many are capable, and we're going to find that out pretty soon because that's the area that's got to work in concert with the linebacker group if you're talking about covering the middle of the field and whether or not we're good at it. I mean, nickel corner can play a role, but still, you got to have great communication between your safeties and your linebackers if you're worried about, say, I don't know, the Notre Dame tight end game and, no. and using the seams, right? So those guys have to have their P's and Q's in order. But at corner, you've got five or six viable options. There's no doubt about that. Jerrion Jones, yes, now that he's healthy. Yes, yes. Uh, you've got Travis J, Kevin Knowles, Brownlee, Miko Dotson. Yeah, you, I'm sure I'm forgetting one or two players as well. But they've mixed a lot of bodies there with the first and second team throughout camp, and all of them looked apt. All of them looked capable of getting downhill and making a play on the perimeter. That's also something we've been lacking in for some time. Saw it in the spring game, too. Yes, yes, that was a huge difference. Saw it in the spring game. That that was something. That's the first time I perked up and I kind of thought, okay. Trying to figure out just how much more aggressive and physical and confident they'll be is very difficult because when you last saw them in a game, they were really none of those things. But yet, 
albeit in scrimmages and practices against our own personnel, they have very much been that. They have transformed themselves in that way. They did it in the spring, and they did it in this camp. Very physical. Uh, in the right spots. Triggered downhill when they read run. Came up, made t- sound tackles. Not a lot of... A lot of guys that are kind of shying away from hits now. You've got bigger corners, stronger corners. Yeah, that's a that's an area of strength. That's so to answer your question, I that's the segment group I feel best about on the whole. I also love our starting, uh, our front four is fine. I mean, I really like. I, I shouldn't say love. I like. I like the front four. Well, given what we're trying to do, you love them, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Where we are. Yeah, from where we are. Yeah, I like them. Uh, and then I think. Uh, Another area, well, so the two areas that you would worry most about, and I guess this is real progress. I mean, it has to be seen as nothing short of real progress. I'm most concerned about our wide receivers and our linebackers. Now, the linebackers part's not real progress because we were pissed and worried about that for the last two years and it came to pass. But um, the fact that I didn't say offensive line there first is progress. Yeah. They've they've gotten – Decent enough to where – I mean, they're not good, but they're, they're decent enough to where that's not the first thing that stands out to me. I know what you guys kind of bickered about it on Tuesday Seminole Headlines, but I think it is fair to say it's somewhere either seven or eight players that you feel okay about. You feel okay. If one guy goes down, of course you don't want to lose DLT or you know anybody really in the starting five, but you've got some reserves that you can turn to, at least two of them. And before it was like we feel good about three players total, maybe four, and you've got to field five at a time. But at the depth is slowly building, and then the cavalry is coming as long as we continue to get those signatures and the verbal commitments do turn into ink on paper. Here you go, by the way. I didn't want, just because you, you were right to bring it up, and we've talked a lot about the players that are on the other end. Go back to that defensive backfield and players that you feel pretty good about. Okay. Good, pretty good to very good. You ready? Akeem Dent. Mm. Pretty good. I don't know. Pretty good. I don't know. Pretty good. You, uh, yes, all right. That's you. Kevin Knowles. Yes, absolutely. Uh, now, again, some of these guys are going to be asked to do a lot less because they're very, very young, but Sidney Williams? Yeah. Yeah. All okay. Right. Travis J. Definitely. Uh, well, if he can get healthy. Sidney Williams might be okay. I, yeah. I don't want to, you know, it's different than Dent. Dent, I'm just, man, he hasn't found a home yet. And I know that Mike was, I mean, effusive two weeks ago, but mm-hmm. I, I do need to see it. Okay, Miko Dotson. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Fall camp has helped me with that one. Obviously, he's healthy, but yeah. okay, yes. Okay, so now here's another one who we would like, and we've seen some. He's been back at practice. He's just got to get healthy enough to be out there and have the win. But Demory Tate. Right, yeah, right. Keep right. forgetting about him. Uh, Jerry and Jones, who he, I just brought up. Demory's going to be a reserve this year. Yeah, but yes. Yeah. He, might, he might get an opportunity yeah, too. He'll probably get an opportunity. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee. Yep. Forgot about him. Mm-hmm. Nice player. Nice player, solid, yeah, solid. Okay, uh, Renardo Green, maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Brennan Gant, maybe, maybe. Yeah. Shaheem, yeah. Oh yeah, well now now you're at safety. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, Shaheem Brown, without question. Uh, I don't know who else I'm forgetting here, but I mean that's a lot of guys. Jeez, we just named. I don't know if you said Jerryon again, but I, yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a lot of guys. Right, Jerryon, Brownlee, Knowles, Jay. You got four corners that I feel quite good about. Yeah, and then I think if you if you go from defensive back to defensive end, uh, Jermaine Johnson, yep, uh, obviously, uh, Keir Thomas, obviously, at least to set the edge against the run, maybe more. Uh, they're big guys. I keep coming back to that. Two seventy five and two sixty five. Yeah, yes, that's that's, that's going to work. That's nice. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know that you have anybody else there that you feel. I, I'm not a Marcus Cushney guy. Maybe Peyton. Um, Maybe. Yeah. Okay. I mean, if it's third and fourteen, yeah, put Pat, him on the field. Pa- oh, Patrick Peyton. Yeah, as a, I mean, he's white, obviously. Right. Yeah. 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 You can match him on a guard and put uh, Jermaine oh. and Kier out there. I can tell you they love him. Right. I mean, I know for a fact they love him. They think he's going to be a star. So, he, you just got to get him bulked up. I mean, they, they really do like him. You could combo those guys with, I mean, even Jay, you could bring in certain pressures or Amari Gaynor or something like that on third and obvious. There's a lot you can do with what we have. Something to note here, too, and I'll leave it alone. I'm focusing a lot on this defense, clearly, for a lot of reasons, and, and they have to slow Notre Dame down in the run game. Um, you know who's going to get repped? He's going to get in there. You're going to see him play, and people are going to be like, who's that? Number 44, Joshua Farmer. Mm-hmm. Looks the part and can play. Ira's a big fan of him. Well, as well. I yeah. am too. And if you watch him carefully, you see now it's rare that a freshman is going to go out there as a defensive tackle and be able to do a lot because again, he hasn't had the two or three years in the weight room and the diet and all that. But he's six three, six four, two ninety. As a freshman, he's built right. Yeah, he's got heavy hands. He'll move you if you stay healthy. You don't need a ton of reps there either because you've got uh, Love it, Big Coop. Um, yeah, Fabian Love it, Big Coop, Dennis Briggs. Uh, yeah, not Fuller. Excuse me, Dennis Briggs. That he's been the stud. Mm-hmm. And then Malcolm Ray every once in a while can make a play for you. But I mean, when you're trying to add up the extra reps to yeah. get to a game total, you get to about the fourth or fifth position in the defensive interior. That's all you need to have at a farmer, and that's what 10, 15 snaps a game. Yeah, that's yeah. plenty. You know what hurts my heart, by the way. You should know that True Thompson never it did. I tried. You tried. You did. It just didn't happen. Still have faith. You got to have faith like I do with Jordan Young. You never know. I think you know. One shining moment changes I, everything. I think you know. It's Jeff Cameron Show, 93.3 Real Talk Radio and War Chant TV. It's always good on a Friday to hear. Time for probables. Let's get to it. North Florida Payroll Services, locally owned for nearly 15 years, offering payroll and HR services, including full online applicant onboarding and integration into payroll. Save your company money and headaches today. Head to NorthFordaPayroll.com. It's time for how you say with the pitching uh, probables. But before I do, listen to some of these numbers. Shohei Atani has more stolen bases, 22, than Tim Anderson, who has 17. He has as many home runs, 42, as Juan Soto and Mookie Betts combined. Is a better strikeout rate on the mound, 10.89 per nine innings, than Walker Bueller. Trapper keeper. He has a better ERA plus than Zach Wheeler. And one executive said about Shohei, never in any sport has there been somebody who made this kind of an impact on both sides the way that he has this year. I don't know who you could even compare him to in our game. That includes Babe Ruth. Shohei leads the league in slugging at 618. If you put him on the mound, he's 16 percentage points away from leading the league in lowest slugging percentage allowed. It's insane. There's a number for every day that you would look and realize that 
Shohei Atani is the best player in baseball. It's not even close. When are we going to find out that his birth certificate is wrong like Danny Almonte's? <laughs> <laughs> Pirates, Cubs are in inning two without a score. Steven Brault pitching for the Pirates. Alec Mills for the Cubs. Cool that we dropped the pop-up in the 11th inning last night to lose the game. Infield flop. Been there. Subway Series. Luis Castillo. It's a toughie. Orioles, Yanks, John Means, Nestor Cortez Jr., Mets, Nationals. What a comeback for the Phillies yesterday, who seemed to make a living out of coming back on the Nats. Mets will try their hand at it. Rich Hill and Sean Nolan. Rich Hill's nickname is amazing. Can't say it here. A's, Blue Jays, Sean Manaya and Alex Manoa. Nice. Indians, Red Sox, Cal Quantrill, Nathan Avaldi. We got the Tigers and the Reds, Tyler Alexander, Vladimir Gutierrez. Twins Rays, Randy Dobnak. <laughs> you just want to say, you freaking Dobnak. Yeah, that would be something, yeah. yeah. Michael Waka is going to pitch for the Rays. That's a good one to use on the golf course if you're playing with your sons. Mm. You Dobnak. Phillies, Marlins, Kyle Gibson, Jesus Luzardo. White Sox, Royals, Dallas Keuchel, Carlos Hernandez, Cardinals, Brewers, Adam Wainwright, and Freddie Peralta. Braves, Rockies, Huascar Noah, and Antonio Centinella. All right. Rangers, Angels, Glenn Otto. I love you, Glenn Otto. Welcome into Glenn Otto. Go to glennotto.com. Where you drive home happy. Shohei Atani, aforementioned, starts tonight for the Angels, 8-1 and one with a 3 ERA. I'm glad that guy's off the commercials. Remember him? Yes. Yeah, me too. The driving home happy guy? Yes. yes. Mariners, D- is he dead? What happened to him? I don't know that. Why do we have I to I mean, he just suddenly disappeared. Streams. Mariners <laughs> and D-backs. <laughs> he didn't seem like a guy that would voluntarily remove himself from doing ads. <laughs> Maybe he sold the dealership, yeah. made a mint. I don't know. Who knows? I went straight to the death card, didn't I? You sure did. TBD and Something about probables. Madison Bumgarner. Dodgers, Giants, David Price, and TBD. That's going to be awesome, Dodgers, Giants. Here we go, 9.45 tonight. Astros, Padres, late. Jose Urquidity and Jake Arrieta, who stinks. And that is a look at those that shall reside on the bump. Another executive about Shohei Itani, quote, if he hung it up after this year and only this year and he never played again, we would be talking about him for a very, very, very long time even still. I think that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Of course. What's the precedent? It's it's crazy, right? It is really, really nuts. Uh, And getting back to the uh, stuff that I said earlier today that made me happy. Slugging is climbing. Strikeout rate sinking. 16 consecutive years in baseball, the strikeout rate rose. It's the first time since these last 16 years that it will be below the year previous. This is working. They got it right. I admire your steadfastness with baseball. It's, like, I, it's I love the sport, good... too, but I'm kicking that crap to the curb weeks ago. No, man. I'm still watching baseball at night. I'm going. Um, I mean, I, I listen, I, you can have both. I know. Right now, it's, no, we're, it's we're, that new car smell, baby. I got no. I we love, didn't have that car last year. I love it. I love it, too. And believe me, I'm going to be watching more football than baseball. 
But I do think that uh, the game has improved since they've implemented these rules changes, and uh, this is this is what baseball needed. We were all hopeless a little while back. Who knew that all they had to do was enforce rules that were already on the books? It's the first point of the Triforce. Now you've got to eliminate the shift, and then robot umpires, and you've got yourself a product. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at uh, Wander Franco. You you were mentioning him. He's yeah. The he's, record's absurd with him. He's reached base again, 33 games in a row. Uh, Is that any good? Yeah. You know who's never done that before? Nolan Arenado, Jose Abreu, Buster Posey, Andrew McCutcheon. N- none of those guys hey, ever did. Hey, hey, hey. Easy on Buster. We, we, Buster. Hail, we hail the Buster oh, here. We do. Absolutely we do. Also, uh, of the modern players, 20 or younger, who have an on-base streak of 30 games or more, here are the guys that have ever done that. Mickey Mantle, Frank Robinson, Mel Ott. Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame, Hall of Fame. <laughs> That's uh, pretty damn amazing to think about. And cool. You can crank the darkness. I need to in a second. We need to say goodbye to the YouTube people. Before we do, your confidence level. Has it gone up on a Friday? No, not really. No, I, I tried, people. I, I tried. No, I tried. no, I, I feel like Notre Dame will win the game, but uh, we'll be in it. We'll, we'll give ourselves a chance. That'll be, that's, I'm asking for that. And then if we get the win, what a beautiful Monday. What a beautiful, I mean, fun. what a moment, right? What a beautiful wedding. I like it. Yeah, good work out of you. Good work, Matthew. Be well, everybody. Enjoy the weekend. Go Knowles. We'll see you tomorrow or tonight. Depends on which one you're coming out. Maybe both. Certainly be safe. Have fun. Particular activities. We want particularly cool.